2: Welcome, welcome to the Cult of the Collective, Collective commentaries, commentaries, featuring Dave AC the Sixth Doctor, Randall, Randall Four. Good evening everybody and welcome to the Cultum Collective Commentaries. Yes, it's time for another episode of Doctor, wait, Dave, get out of the way. There's a car coming. <laughs> Jeez.
0: It's, it's all right. I've got this great big door in front of me and I can't open that anyway.
2: Oh, dear, 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 dear. I oh, don't worry. Mike's here to kind of straighten it.
0: Well, you
2: know, he, he came in here. He said something about renting a moped for an hour and he hasn't backed back. He ain't back yet.
0: Uh, no, no, you may well have gone on to choir practice.
2: Oh, I see, I see, I see, yes. I mean, his singing is very important to him. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, looks Simon so jelly with that uh, thing around his neck, yeah. that rough.
2: <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe he'll be a to sing to us at the end. <laughs> all right. In case you haven't guessed, <laughs> we're here to talk all over the top of the latest episode of Doctor Who, uh, the difficult to pronounce the, the rings of
0: <laughs> Akatan Ak-tan
2: or Ak- oh, I don't know, whoever. <laughs> Depends on if you're singing it or saying it. I don't know. Yes, it was a, a, of much debate during, uh, and before Colton, I think, on, on on Sunday. Akatan or Akatan. Who knows? If you're singing, it's different, I guess.
0: I can't give you any more, Captain. I can't.
2: Oh, uh, ring me later and tell me that. No,
0: no. All
2: right, yes. So we're going to be talking over the top of the most recent episode of Doctor Who, uh, which is series... Part of series seven. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's all we know for sure. There's been some, some speculation as to, as to what episode number it is. I've seen episode eight. I've seen episode seven. Uh, so we're not going to speculate. It's the one after the one we did last week. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so if everybody uh, sitting nicely, nice and comfortably at home uh, really did enjoy the concert tonight, uh, has their official BBC copies of uh, The Rings of <laughs> Akatan. <laughs> ah oh, dear, as if I don't have enough trouble pronouncing things. <laughs> if everybody's got that at the ready, we'll begin. Dave, are you ready?
0: Well, I was. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, well, we're going to start anyway. In five, four, three, two, one, play.
0: Ooh.
2: It's time for you to rake them leaves up, Dave.
0: <laughs> oh, oh! We Looks must like be in the left r- the gate open. Yeah, we must be in the right parallel world because in Sliders, he knows that the gate squeaks outside his house. That's yeah. how he knows his back.
2: The Beano God, I've missed the Beano
0: I think you can get it online. I think it's an online publication now. Yeah, it's not the same though anymore. It's like
2: you know, they did it. They did a um, Dennis the Menace cartoon. I couldn't believe it.
0: oh I think Sophie Aldridge did the voice too. The car, the car. Now, did some people say that's like Father's Day car? It's
2: it's the same colour and a similar shape, but I don't think it's the same make. Um, it looks
0: like a Marina, that one that right, went The past. front
2: grille is different, and I don't know enough about the British cars, but, um, you know, it is a different looking car. But interesting that they should choose one of the same colour. I mean, is it a common colour of cars in the 80s?
0: Uh, yeah, it was one of, one of those rotten colours that came out. They came out <laughs> with a few avocado and then that awful sort of lime off green and tan. I think that was a tan. Oh, now will... that leaf's looking different again.
2: Yes, I know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I can imagine it does
2: look different from here to when we see it later on in the episode because um, you know he's kept it, but it's it's still relatively fresh and then it gets pressed into a book, so it looks a little different, but... Yes, there is a difference between last week's leaf and this week's leaf.
0: Exactly. It was it was still green and more definitely a Canadian maple leaf last yeah. time. Uh, it, not...
2: it just makes me wonder if at, at, at the time when they did that uh, and in what um, order this one was made, whether they didn't have that fully fledged um, fleshed out.
0: It looked whole saw... there, you're right. It yeah. did look whole. Uh,
2: we're quickly playing uh, yeah. her parents. Uh, playing Ellie is uh, uh, Nicholas uh, Sian and uh, playing her dad uh, Dave is uh, oh, thank Michael you. Dixon. Oh.
0: And of course we saw that little swing park in uh, the little prequel, didn't we? I think, I think it's the same swing park. See swings in the background.
2: And uh, Michael Dixon hails from uh, Morecambe in Lancashire. Uh, Michael Dixon has played small roles in a number of films including Alexander and A Passionate Woman and on television including Baha'i, Holby City, Coronation Street, and The Street.
0: Now... Oh, she's in a duffel coat. Yep. (laughs) Johnson Creek. Oh sorry. (laughs) I like like his coat. Now, born eleventh of September died 5th of march 85 was that now uh 2005 sorry which is just about the time that the uh, series came back on our televisions
2: yes uh, people now are wondering actually if it's if it's uh you know coincides with the auton attack definitely a
0: bit a little bit better you know there you can see much more of the background
2: i really really do like the simplified tardis console um You know, it just uh, it harkens back to you know a better age of less controls, and I'm sorry, I love the face. I didn't think that when they brought it back that it would be cool. I thought uh, it's going to look cheesy, but I do really, 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 really like it.
0: (laughs) The very, the very first five. 10 seconds of the opening, there by the way. I was just watching uh, The Sky at Night, which is still going after Patrick, sadly, Patrick Moore died, mm. and it's almost exactly the same frames the opening of The Sky at Night.
2: Now, um, Darth had a good point is is to watch this. They focus it on her for about 10, 15 seconds. Yeah.
0: Just and look, look at this. The, yeah. Look at her face. Yeah. It is good.
2: I, I, I'm sorry to sound mean, but. Freaking Amy Pond eat your heart out. This girl can act. Yeah. I don't, I like this. It's like James made of strawberries. I like The
0: thousand Blackburn. Just
2: the way she. The way she, uh, the way she uh, just that you know. <laughs> Time's gonna be made of something. What's it made of? Like James made of strawberries. Like, yeah. Something. <laughs> oh. Like I like. I, I like the way they've grounded her in in kind of a, a, a just a reality. I mean, it's 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 a it is a typical thing when somebody says, "Oh, what's this?" You know, "What's your favorite this?" or "What's your favorite that?" You you, you forget everything except if it's Back to the Future and somebody asks me what my favorite movie is.
0: <laughs> and the doctor's looking a bit chirpy again. He's got a bit more interest in life, hasn't he? Yes, he can shop his tardies. <laughs> I do like the shot too. I like her boots. Uh, I wish she'd shut the door. I really do wish she'd shut the door. I think they're
2: too showing off the fact that they're doing... I get the feeling that they did this shot right outside the set. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. Well, because it almost looks like when they first come out that they're actually definitely seeing that rather than a backdrop.
0: Right. Right.
2: It's a lovely shot. It's...
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I was really enjoying this. I mean, I've got reservations towards the end, but um, uh, it's, I mean, we're off world for a start. Yeah. Crikey. It's nice. Uh, it's. Now, there's definitely light coming from the left, so it's definitely not the main sun, is it? It is a gas giant. Right. Mike, Mike's choir but they, society,
2: yes, but they do say the sun <laughs> singers.
0: Yeah. So. But he calls it a planet there. Right. So. Doesn't look like I, I, life could have got it because it's too big. The gravity would be too great. There's uh, so Yeah, there's
2: something, and I, I said this on Colton the other day too. Um, there's something very old about Matt's doctor in this one that I really, really enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's a cross between um between Troughton and Hartnell. There's a deviousness, uh Hartnell's deviousness, um, but there's a, a Troughton's kind of mischievous um here, come and see this. This is great, yeah. you know. Um that that Matt pulls off really well.
0: well
2: and yeah, I, just I, Sorry, well, yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
0: I was gonna say, count how many different races are here. I've I've already counted more than seven, I'm sure mm-hmm. already.
2: But okay, let's see. Uh <laughs> some developed on the dark side of uh the planet or, you know, the seas of a planet or uh you know. Yeah. Or maybe some just came and settled there later. I mean at no point did they 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 do mention how many planets, but they don't mention how many races.
0: That's true. I suppose if these are in from other systems to uh, view yeah. the spectacle. Exactly, yeah. But uh, I did fail as though they were a bit shoehorned in. Uh, that's keep the toy market going for another granddaughter. two years. <laughs> yes, the
2: granddaughter! You talk to love a granddaughter.
0: Ah, uh, there's the oh, That's a, like a half breather there. It's not a half, but it's got a breather.
2: No. I'd like this. And somebody mentioned this too. On, mm. uh, on their Facebook page, that before he had even told her whether it was good or bad or poisonous, she went dove right in. But they cool. don't make a big deal about it. If you notice, a lot of this is really, really fluid. Mm. Um, and just so everybody knows, to help with the cast list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really like this episode, and I'm going to gush about it and tell you everything that I like about it. So, ha <sighs> there's a there's an interesting part coming up later on where uh, of course, you know we've all seen this because that's why you're listening to this now, uh, where the tar- she says the TARDIS doesn't like her. I wonder if that's why she doesn't understand what Doreen's saying. The TARDIS is being selective about
0: what. Well, well, it interprets you quite yeah. right, indeed. But then they they couldn't interpret the Hath, could they? And uh, in past episodes, no, oh, no.
2: So it's 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 odd. so like TARDIS is being picky
0: are, as some people would say, if it suits the storyline for right. it not to be understood, then...
2: Like, I mean, there are times where the Doctor will actually speak whatever language, you know. It's like, well, hang on, why do you need to do that? is <laughs> translating.
0: Yeah, like uh, Planet of the Dead with the uh, the clicking noise, you know.
2: Hmm. Something very deliberate about what the Doctor's doing in this, yeah, that see, I think is... Yes, that's, that, that, that's what I'm, I'm mentioning about Hartnell, is is that, that um, I think a lot of... What goes on in this episode? He does on purpose, uh, because we tend to forget sometimes that the Doctor is a lot smarter than he lets on. You know, nobody is stupid as he seems. Um, but yeah, I, I do tend to think that there's a that he did this to her on purpose. And right. He knows what's happening, and that he just, yeah. I I mean, I like to think that, too, because I like to think that the Doctor is a lot smarter than he lets on, and he's not as out of control as uh, we'd really like to think.
0: Oh, that's always the the, the best way, going mm. back to Trouton's time. But uh, I'll give you a few bits of information before you get to the little girl. First, <laughs> obviously broadcast on the 6th of April. Um, the episode's 44 minutes long. Um now the viewing figures are 5.5 million. Now I had thought that uh, I'd got the final viewing figures, but the final viewing figures are almost just out for the bells of St John. Uh-huh. So um, that's the the I, uh, AI index, the one we did our last commentary was 84 and um, uh, 8.44 million. That's the episode before this, not this one. We've not the final ratings in for this one yet. Right.
2: Now, the uh, young lady we're seeing on the screen, um, she's currently 11 years old. Um, She's uh, Amelia Jones. Uh, Now, that might, I mean, there's plenty of Joneses. Yes, I know. It's Wales, after all. (laughs) Um, But uh, there's there's, there's a reason why she should be familiar. Uh, For a number of things, Uh, she's uh, been on uh, House of Anubis as uh, the young Sarah Furbush Smythe. Uh, she's been in Pirates of the Caribbean as a little English girl. You, uh, uh, the TV series Utopia as Alice, uh, and she also also happens to be the daughter
0: of Ella Jones. I'm walking in the air. Mm-hmm. That's the bloke who sang. Well, actually, he didn't. He sang it on the record. He didn't sing it in the film. Right. But um, is right. obviously one of the most famous uh, singers. Uh, I think he sang in Joseph and lots of right. things like that. We, we had that,
2: actually heard him in, in, in New Zealand. Uh, I don't even know what it was he was doing at the time, but there was something that made it all the way over to uh, to New Zealand. But, you know, it was like this this boy with this amazing voice. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, later on when she sings, I do believe it's, it's her singing it um, because even though it doesn't specify, um, it would just seem that the talent would run in the
0: family yes I would um, and so.
2: she she does actually uh, she has done some uh, she has done theatre as well uh, Shrek the Musical uh, at the Royal at the Theatre Royal um, and she's uh, played the role of Flora in uh, The Turn of the Screw Yeah. so yeah
0: and let's give everybody a time check so they know where we are it's at uh, 12 minutes 50 All right. thank you sir
2: Space shippy thing. Sp-y. Timey spacey. <clears throat> Thank you, Stephen.
0: Uh, <laughs> the thing is there, she's trying to open it outwards. When she's Every time she's seen it, it's opened inwards. Now, we've I, got I wonder that, why she's doing that.
2: No, you could almost say, well, she hasn't got the key, but there's that noise. They've used that TARDIS noise before where the TARDIS doesn't...
0: Yeah, but yeah. why is she trying to open it out when mm. she knows it opens in? Because they pull the door towards them when they come in. Go out.
2: Well, she could have been holding one handle and, and put. I'd have to look back at it, but she might be holding one handle and pushing the other, and then you know, back and forth. So, I now, would, You're a
0: fan of backsides, aren't you? You like this bit?
2: Yeah, I like seeing her backside. <laughs> I mean, I've longed to see her rear end. We've, we. I mean, I, 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 I actually Paul Schoomes, if you're listening, have we ever had a scene around the back end of the TARDIS like this? I think it's quite interesting that that as far as I know, and I'm not some great Who historian, somebody on there will probably correct me, let us uh, answer the back of a postcard, uh, that we've never had a scene around the back of the TARDIS like this. And it's quite neat that they decided to do this. It could have been done anywhere. Did it here. And uh, again, we see the brilliance of both uh, the character of Clara and General Louise Coleman uh, she handles the scene beautifully.
0: Yes, it's uh, her affinity, uh, uh, the nanny aspect of yeah. her, caring aspect of her nature.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, this little girl's holding her part up very well. Oh, yes. Always been good. Whoever does the. mention mentioned this before, whoever does the casting for Doctor Who, oh, yes. they know. Well,. Oh, brilliant! Yeah.
2: Oh, and the way she looks down when she does that—it's like perfect. Mm. And the, the casting actually of the, the the little girl, the the the, the young Amelia's—I mean, young <laughs> God Amelia, God. So used to saying bloody Amelia, God. <laughs> uh, the young Clara, Clara. Um, very, very well done, I think. Although, uh, Darth seemed seem to think it was a different actress, um, in the. Playing the, the the Clara in bed there, and I'm not sure. It's very very difficult because we're dealing with a different shot. Um, she's a laying different down. age as well. Um, so I don't know, and I don't have any information either on there. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of holes. holes in my casting, unfortunately.
0: Well, we've seen about fact. We've seen Clara as a little baby. We've seen Clara as about three or four year old. at The thing mm-hmm. we've seen. The one in in the bed there. We've seen the slightly older one at the swings, and then we've seen the one at the funeral. Right. Uh, so we've seen about five, uh, five well, the one at the ages. Is,
2: is this one? Um,
0: well, I know, but she's like only it. supposed to be about sixteen or something. There, I think. Right.
2: There's a certain ease she has to this too. There's, uh, I mean, there's some bewilderment, but there's uh, she has an ease to doing this whole space travel thing. Which is just quite refreshing that we're not you Because know, we it, i mean, when she first saw the inside of the tower, it's oh it's bigger on the inside. It's like everybody does that, yeah. But mm. yeah, there's this look at it there's this confidence to it. And and see, see she says, Oh I've been exploring and he just like fobs her off like, oh well. Yeah. Um
0: so yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, changing there's Mike going off for his break. Uh, that's
2: uh, Chris Anderson playing the chorister, um, and at the moment I don't have any information for him. That sounded like the uh, 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 Klingon bird of prey Decloaking.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there was quite a lot of talk on the um, on our cultum uh, Facebook page um, uh, about the how people enjoyed the actual musical aspects of this. Now that didn't work so well the actual um the, the people sitting in the background there the sort of multiple but you know when they do coliseums with different people right Also right, over this side take a picture i'll sit over that oh.
2: <laughs> now uh, the, the one thing that i had a problem with with this whole scene is that we didn't see enough um uh, wide shots of the whole Colosseum. We could have done a lot of, with more of that, especially when they start singing and swaying. We could have done with seeing that, but I understand we've got a lot of effect shots in this. We've got the planet, we've got right. the, the 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 um the mopeds later on. uh So you've got to use it sparingly, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think it was a Colosseum actually. It's more of an amphitheater. Right. It's only the back. Curve, which I thought originally might have been the thing that was amplifying a a voice across, but it must well be that that little stage is doing it, right? And of course, they're synchronizing the singing now.
2: Sleep, my precious king. I, I think it's it's worth um, if you if you're rewatching this, uh, put the subtitles on. Uh, they've actually yeah you know, they've gone to the, the the bother of writing them lyrics. You know, to this, uh, and so it's. And, oh, she's got a lovely voice. Mm. The longs
0: Mm. (laughs) it's not over till the fat lady sings oh we've got no fat ladies
2: (laughs) Mm. I I, I don't know what the issue is with this episode but there is uh, a a, a lack really of uh, information on the lip of the uh, players in this
0: Mm. now here again um, this 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 idea of consumption of this. I mean, those offerings are actually dissipating as being made as offerings. So they're not copies; they are being consumed and sent off, aren't they?
2: Right. Lay down.
0: I think I saw I the dr- I think I saw the drunk there, you know, at the end of Deep Space Nine's <laughs> bar, somewhere there.
2: Oh God! Oh, oh God!
0: Hello. The
2: thing is, I I'm still at odds as to you know if anyone actually did make his mistake.
0: Yeah, I mean, has he made a mistake? Uh she certainly didn't.
2: Right. She says she does, but I I just don't see where they made it um obvious um and I think because we saw the uh the uh Darth Vader lookalikes uh, that uh, earlier that this was a, you know, this was always going to happen. Yeah.
0: Yes, I mean, um I mean, when they say once in a thousand years, I suppose give or take 20 years it could have been this girl the next girl or the girl after that or the one before so nobody knew the exact moment that oh don't walk away don't walk away now you see she's encased in a a little bubble of atmosphere
2: right well I think it's just like a tractor beam thing Uh. yeah Uh, Doreen is being played by, uh, and of course it's D O R E E N. Uh, is going to played by Carol Greenwood, uh, who's uh, before played uh, uh, on on the on the stage. Actually, he's played Cyberman and uh, Winder. Uh, the, the the Doctor Who the, the 2010 uh, live tour. So, well used to being inside of uh, masks, etc.
0: Now, um, another thing that was said on the collective, Ian, and I don't know if you've seen it, that um, the way this is composed, they wondered whether it had also been made in 3D, because there's an awful lot of shots where they're reaching forward, handing forward, right. forward movement. Uh, wondering whether this might have been used as a trial, because we do know that they are doing some 3D. For the 50th anniversary, and um, I should really be able to att- attribute that to somebody um, from the collective, but uh, they know who they are. Right. If I can find it,
2: I uh, do. I do see where. I mean, maybe they internally they said, "Well, let's do it like this," so then we can, you know, do the effect or film it that way. Me, I'm not interested in 3D Doctor Who because I don't care about 3D because I can't see
0: it. <laughs> Yeah, he was talking about the the actual way the shots were set up.
2: Yeah. like In reality, also, no. <laughs> In theory, no. In reality, also, no. <laughs> God. Well. <laughs> like, he keeps making this... Um, and at first I thought it was maybe being a, a kind of a dig it religion, maybe. But it's not, uh, because... He's not actually a god. Um, Like he says, he is to them, but he actually really isn't. He hasn't done anything godlike. He's just a vampire. He's just sucked stuff off of them. hasn't given them anything back.
0: Right, and it was Thomas, by the way, I won't give his full name just in case he doesn't want to, but Thomas on the uh, the Cotland page that mm. that uh, said that, I have a feeling that this is one will be released as a 3D episode at some point. Just felt like they were very, at least, practicing for the 50th with all the shots of things being thrust towards the camera. And by the way, uh, we've got an awful lot of references to past episodes, whether this is done intentionally. I mean, uh, we've got a link here to the Aztecs, really, with the, you know, the door that... right difficult to open and then it's very mentally them. heavy it's quite extraordinarily mentally heavy <laughs> sorry uh what other the episodes were alluded to on the uh, the thing the um the impossible astronaut that, but that not the impossible astronaut the um the beast below right and um and the other one with the the the, the devil that was trapped um possible planet impossible planet right. but
2: and also 42 as well Yes, uh, a, 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 a being living in within a sun or a planet or whatever
0: and I saw, thought Keeper of Tracker when I saw this glass right. cage um, you can even think Omega would be sitting on the chair, couldn't you? Yeah. I mean there's all sorts of illusions oh. I, th-
2: I thought it was going to be something tied into like Sutek or whatever because it looked yeah. kind of almost Egyptian um, oh, just as a sidebar, I'm enjoying a uh, backdoor 2008 Zinfandel uh, from uh, Naked Wines, and it's delicious. I've actually got three more,
0: two or three more bottles arriving tomorrow. Ha <laughs> ha! Well, that's absolutely marvellous timing, Ian, because we might need a back door soon. Yes. <laughs> da <Ta-da. laughs> oh, da uh, Very Indiana v- Jones. Vina Albana uh, Albali, sorry, Grand Reserve Rioja.
2: And the interesting thing about uh, saying Indiana Jones is uh, it's uh, one of uh, Neil Cross's uh, favorite characters is Indiana Jones. And uh, Neil Cross, now, I had thought because I had read something along those lines, it was probably written by a New Zealand newspaper, um, saying that he's a New Zealand writer. Well, he is a New Zealand writer because he's writing from New Zealand. Uh, but Neil Cross, who's written written this, and also if you're... Uh, a fan of Luther and our Luther commentaries, Um, check on Sarban. They're all there. Uh, He is also the person responsible for creating and writing uh, Luther. But he was born uh, in Bristol and grew up in Edinburgh uh, with his mother and his stepfather. Yeah, Uh, the the home of Archie Leach. uh, Oh, yeah, there you go uh in 2002 he moved to wellington new zealand with his wife uh nadia and uh their family um and he i guess he continues to write from there so that's that's quite interesting i i still haven't been able to find out why he moved to new zealand i mean not that you need a reason it's a nice place to live uh but it's just that's yeah, kind of neat that he's uh living there and uh Last sidebar is uh, that, that uh, maybe with uh, trying to get uh, uh, Peter Jackson involved
0: in Doctor Who, it might be a good pairing. Now, did you mention Luther there somewhere?
2: Yeah, uh, I think I did, in passing, probably, maybe, I don't know.
0: Brilliant. Luther,
2: Luther, Neil Cross, Luther.
0: And a uh, current feature on a new adaption of Day of the Triffids.
2: Mm-hmm, Blimey. exactly. And also, this is not the only episode of uh, Doctor Who he's going to be writing uh, this season. He's actually writing two episodes. So uh, stay tuned for his next offering. Uh, I don't think it was originally supposed to be that way, but I think they had uh, either somebody dropped out or they decided to just... Maybe they're impressed with this one. Um, and I'm impressed with this one. A lot of people weren't. It appears to have been a, a bit of a Marmite episode. Yeah, this
0: is the important thing where... I'm talking
2: all over the top of it, but you can find it posted around the internet as a a really favourite part. A part forming shoes and ships and sealing wax and cabbages and kings. I like (laughs) sealing wax, it's very Puff the magic dragon.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's the famous uh, poem, isn't it? Uh, The the Leah poem, isn't it? Cabbages and kings. Hmm. Oh, I don't
2: know. I like there's only one merry Gale- The little smile on her face is just nice. Like, I don't like him. <laughs> and uh, paying, playing the mummy, as he's called, uh, is Aiden Cook. And I'm trying to find out information about that. This is an odd episode for, for finding casting information. Must have, must have known that I didn't really want to talk too much about yeah. what's going
0: on. It, it's the walrus and the carpenter, the Jabberwocky, Lewis Carroll, sorry.
2: There you go.
0: The uh, time has come to talk of many things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax, of cabbages and kings. Yeah. Ah, there
2: we go. Oh, thank you, Dave. I did not know that. There's actually uh, also a reference in here earlier to, to uh, Douglas Adams. Which I think is interesting uh, because Town Day is coming up uh, shortly. Uh, uh, but Aiden Cook who's uh, encased in a glass cage encased in a mummy costume uh, has also been in uh, Hellboy 2 uh, The Golden Army as the two-headed shop owner Horrid Henry uh, Sir Getabout The Worst Night in the Land uh, and uh, The Duel at Blood Creek
0: so yes these were rather funny uh, creatures. Um, yeah. Do we even
2: have a name for them? Yes,
0: yes. Ken mentioned it on the uh, the thing. There, um, well, he
2: said acolytes, but I don't remember there being a reference. But there's a lot of. For me, at least, the the, the copy I had, the uh, the the uh, soundtrack is quite overpowering. I don't know if it's my sound system or what, but yeah.
0: Now, this is the... Now, you like this effect where right. you're getting visuals from the Sonic. Right. But I would have rather seen that effect around the little space hopper protecting them.
2: Right. Well, to me, but, the, the, the 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 effect is, and I explained it on Colton, whether it's right or not, but this is how it makes sense to me, is that uh, they seem to be yelling their weapon. It's, it's a it's a verbal thing. It's a sonic thing, you know, a sonic thing, and so the sonic screwdriver is the perfect thing to fight against it. And so the effect that you're seeing is, uh, you know, the sonic power going up against theirs. You get this kind of shell forming.
0: Yeah. I
2: quite liked it because it's 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 almost a, it's it's kind of like the sonic's being used as a weapon, but it's not. It's it's being used as a a shield.
0: Right. Uh, the other thing is there uh, a reference is um, with like that secret door, your know, your back door door.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, you. uh, you've got the tomb of the Cybermen, haven't you? Where um, you know they go in and nobody else can see another door mm. until the uh, the second Doctor points over his shoulder and says, "What about that one?"
2: Right. It's uh, I, sometimes I. Uh... Sometimes they were very difficult to understand.
0: Yes, I mean
2: they were a little too breathy. It does actually say, uh, "Where are you?" in the the, uh, the uh, subtitles.
0: Now, was that a beam of energy going to the the planet? It was, it was, yes, and uh, was the was it the soul of that creature going to it?
2: Yeah, it was basically. Uh, I think since I thought the uh. was, was, was Game of alarm clock, so. I think basically when he wakes up, it it then transports the essence into the, you know, so one would wonder whether it was actually originally trapped there by, on purpose. Yeah. But for what purpose? I don't know. I, I, I I do like this line coming up from, from Matt, from the doctor. (laughs) Any ideas?
0: (laughs) Jamie, any ideas, Jamie?
2: I did promise. Uh, it's so Hartnell and Trouton that, 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 especially when he's got his hands up and like that. Like, uh, there's a line coming up too. Um, I've seen bigger. Uh, I said, I like it. <laughs> I like I like this uh, conversation too. Ooh. 1927,
0: they did Great <laughs> Scots. <laughs> yeah. Missed that adventure. That's bigger, really? Yeah. Are you joking? It's massive!
2: It's humongous! <laughs> I can assist, I like that. Assist, assistant. The doctor's assistant.
0: Ooh. Now yeah, this is another old face.
2: I'm a big fan of, of David Heman's acting and what he can do with his eyes. But there's something that this man can do that... I'm not a huge fan of Sleeper Moffat, but um, I can see why he picked Matt. He may be young in age, but there's things like that. I'll walk when he straightens his bow tie and just
0: mm.
2: and wanders act- out there. It's There's this old soul that comes out in his acting.
0: Mm. Now, you see, this is when I started to go off the episode somewhat, because... I'm in Fairyland now.
2: Right.
0: I won't say what it looks like, but uh, Halloween comes to mind. Right.
2: Now, the one thing I'll say, and I know fans are going to hate me for it, but primarily the audience that Doctor Who tries to reach out to, because be honest, they've already got us. We're in it for the long haul. It's for kids. Kids are going to go, Look at the scary face on the planet, I'm sorry, maybe you know uh you know uh insulting kids' intelligence, I don't know, but i i I have children and they sit there and they they pay attention to these things, and like, oh, that's cool, you know, especially my little one, visual things really take you know. And, and and for them to know that there is a creature inside of that planet, or star, or whatever it is, it kind of becomes necessary. How yeah. else do you portray it?
0: Mm. I'll tell you another thing I thought at this point as well. This, to me, seemed as though this this script might have been a Christmas special sort of script it's got that similar thing to you know uh, sharks swimming in the air and uh, you know um, the Catherine Jenkins one you know um, uh, you know that feeling of celebration and hope and so on Right. so I'm just wondering whether this was first mooted as a a Christmas special script even though it's not very Christmassy of course
2: Right. Well, maybe maybe it was. Uh, maybe if this had been his his first meeting of her. Yeah, you know, I I like the way he does that, and I love the shot of him silhouetted. Again, do do watch this with the uh, the uh, um, the subtitles on, because you get to see the lyrics, and you get to hear what they're singing. Because sometimes it's not uh, that easy. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I think it was. Um... It was Mark uh, that really enjoyed the music on this. He was absolutely blown away by it. And even our uh, our uh, scientific advisor yes. wasn't put off by the uh, the qualms of the, uh, right. the science. As, as, Perry science
2: said, as, 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 as Perry said, what science? Yeah. He didn't care because it was, you know, it's like, boof, who cares? Done. And if, if, if Perry's willing to overlook the fact there isn't any, yeah, but uh,
0: to be fair, this is a bit of a marmite episode. Uh, Mark, like Jeff and myself, uh, were we were struggling a bit at this point. Even though I, I'm being carried away by the emotion now, I've I've discarded some of that. But again,
2: uh, I'm sp- asking the Time Lords the birth of the universe and what time ran out. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, again, I like this, but I, I feel as though this is supposed to be him sacrificing himself. So this should be extracted from him. By the same token, the extraction was done before. Right. Well,
2: but the problem is, is if you flip it around and look at it from a viewer point of view, here is the doctor bearing his soul. Something you don't see. I mean, he's been showing off before, but this is more... This is him bearing his soul to feed this thing and um it's really quite powerful. You know, the, it
0: is if there's sacrifice involved. There's no sacrifice involved. But but no but he's it's saying take it, take it all.
2: But the thing is is this is the doctor um he's emotionally offering everything which we don't see. I mean, he's always quite guarded about things. You know, uh, how long did it take before we heard about Gallifrey? You know, uh, you know, it, it took Martha to, to sit down and say, you know, we're not leaving until you tell me about where you're from. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very guarded man. And he basically, I mean, there's the words, but there's also what he's physically doing is he's taking his guard down and saying, take all of these emotions take all of these experiences from me. You feed yeah. on this.
0: I'm glad uh, you actually said that about Martha and not me because that was from the gridlock episode. Yeah. And there is some similarities again with the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the shared hymn singing and so on. Mm. But I think he should be on the ground there almost depleted, you know. Almost right. on the verge of regeneration, and we might talk about that little aspect that um, we we talked about with Darth after the recording ended. For
2: me, I just see it as an emotional drain. You know, it's it's not something that would kill him. It's just it's an emotional thing. You know, you've just basically you've just sat on the couch with a psychologist for for three hours, but it's all been done in the space of three seconds. Uh, you yeah.
0: know. Yeah, but. All those objects in the auditorium were disintegrated. They were consumed. This leaf is being offered to right. be consumed.
2: right, but he's offering up his his emotional experiences um, and it also feeds on them. That's why it's been dormant because they've been feeding it with what's going on around them. I love this a whole future that never happened. The days that never came. Now, Jeff had said that that's not true. It, it can't be an infinity, but it can.
0: Because well, there's one, there's we don't one, know yet, do we? We don't know whether the universe is infinite or not.
2: Right. But I mean, if you think about it, somebody's experiences, for every choice you make, for every you know decision you make, there are an infinite number of outcomes. And it's just a brilliant little thing that she does
0: i appreciated um, that i i quite like that mm. but
2: it, and that oh was... the look on her face when she did it this this kind of that was their leaf you know that she she gave up um kind of more of a sacrifice than some of the other companions i think have ever made uh some of the i mean martha you know gave her last breath something but this is i don't know this is something a little more and uh yeah, part yeah. of it is that I'm partial to this companion. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know.
0: I, I've got to jump in there because that, that was the other thing I didn't like. With that planet gone, I mean, it, are those – do the people live on moons that orbit that? What's what's the situation there? Right. I would have far rather that face coalesce into some sort of alien thing and then fly off to find another, you know, another place or whatever. Right.
2: But like I did say on The Collective, the story itself, the whole um, parasite, planet, et cetera, isn't what's important about this episode. No, and that's no, what it's... I, I wish I could. I wish I could uh, explain to people or at least um, telepathically, you know, just like uh, infuse into them what 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 it is I'm watching, what it is I'm listening to. and And it's just all about her. And and, oh. and and this relationship, it's nothing to do with the, the grandfather, the gods, the, you know, the parents. It's nothing. It's to
0: how to do she with that. met the challenge. All right. And that's why we don't
2: hear about the science. We don't, you know, she doesn't say, oh, how can we breathe out here? We don't get that explanation. Why? Because it's not important. It's not important to the story. And why bother? You know, why let it get in the way of this, you know,
0: no, brain. I must admit it gets in the way for me. Uh, I, uh, but that is but probably because I come from a background of hard sci fi, you know, interest.
2: But but like I said, that's why there's no explanation. That's why you don't get anything. You know. Um uh, yeah, other shows that they would try and explain it away by some gobbledygook, oh it's really the be timely why me. No, there's no explanation. Why? Because it's not important. That's not what they want you to focus on. Um and they can't help it if you're
0: anal. <laughs> yeah. Now the thing there about her leaving the child is, obviously, we're going to next time. Yeah. Um, next time. Um,
2: Shh, uh, it's next time. We talk about this time. in a minute. Uh, oh, a nice oh. lack of lack of reveal as to the big bad, which I like. Mm. So many shows they tend to give away too much. I mean, we, those of you who know, know what's coming in this episode, but this is good. You know. For the average viewer, it's like, you know, what is it?
0: Oh, that's fairly flown away, really. Oh, flown yeah. Away.
2: I, I, and you know what? I love this. I have to say, there's not a lot of episodes of the Stephen Moffat era that I've been eh, eager to, you know, go back and watch. Well, I mean, there's one in particular that I don't bother rewatching because I just can't. Um, emotionally, I can't stand That's it. uh. Um. Um. The uh. um uh, the, the Vincent and the Doctor, you know, oh, yeah. Emotional problems with that one, um. But yeah, uh, you know, this one. God, this is my third time watching it, and I kind of almost want to say, "See you later, Dave." If I'm gonna go watch it again because I really <laughs> do like it. It. Um. And I'm gonna go first. Or do, do you want to? You say what you were gonna say well, over uh... the thing.
0: Yeah, let's just talk about that little bit at the end. I mean, um, we, we we did uh, the show, and we uh, hope you'll listen back to it. Um, um, that was episode one hundred ninety-seven, I think. But the the point was um, when I was trying to just say to other people that you know there should have been uh, some sacrifice, and then Darth uh, cottoned onto that and said, "Yeah, uh, well, it would have been actually nice if they'd really thrown the fans a curveball," and that had prompted the doctors actually have to go into regeneration mode, right. yeah. Uh, and um, you know, th- it, nobody would have been expecting it because they're all thinking is going on. It wouldn't have been fabulous. And I am saying, uh, well, it, it certainly would have been with the with the companion locked out of the TARDIS. Yeah. And Darth went, "What a cliffhanger ending that would have been!" You know, uh, an inexperienced companion, uh, no way of getting to the TARDIS. The Doctor, you know, fatally wounded, possibly going into, you know, uh, a regeneration. Right. Uh, absolutely. The, the, the whole series would be on a knife point and so unexpectedly. Right. Uh, and it, I mean, what did you think of that idea?
2: I mean, it's an idea. It's a story idea. I, uh, I, I like the idea of it. Um, I don't like the idea of it right now because I think the 11th Doctor has found his companion I really think that, that that, and I hope they don't ruin Clara, you know, and have to lock off her memories or whatever, um, because of whatever she ends up being. But I think she is the perfect companion for this Doctor. Yeah, you know, it's like Jamie and and uh, and you know, the Second Doctor. Uh, th- this is the perfect companion for him, well- I think. And it's only, I know it's early days and I could I could end up eating my words but that's that's just my thoughts.
0: well let me just give my counterpoint to that and then if either you or I will go on our our little main talk <laughs> and, and I'm sure we're gonna get Mike back from the choir at some point yeah but um i don't I don't think they they are that I mean as actors working together they are but in terms of she's obviously a very down to earth woman, she's more interested in you know helping people, this, that, and the other. I'm finding it difficult to understand her attraction to the doctor as a person, and I don't necessarily mean sexual attraction, but I mean, um, there's this imbalance, of course, because he he knows or uh, feels he knows this character. Much more than she knows him, having met her in these other stories, these other incarnations of her other time periods. Um, so, I, I, and because also he's he's acted quite geekily around her in some points, I almost feel as though um, it, it's like going out on a date with somebody who's above your weight, if you know, what's the word? You know,
2: you of his, out of his league.
0: Uh, out of his league. I see her as being out of his league in terms of what, because she doesn't know all the other stuff that comes with him. Right. Well, she's just beginning to now. So um, I'm not too sure of that, but I'm absolutely, the the, the well, I'll, I'll say my bit later, but the, the thing that actually made this episode for me was the fact that it was a companion episode. Right. Uh, over and above everything else. Okay. All right, here's my
2: bit. I'm not going to spend too much on this because um, I did say quite a lot on the the collective. And it sounds like an ad to you know a commercial for us to 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 to, to have you listen to the collective. Um, but it, really, that's uh, that's where I did say the bulk of what what I think about this episode. And now it's just reiterating um, that, that I I guess I see this episode in a, a different way to everybody else. Um, and the lovely thing is, I think I see it the same way that, that Darth did. Uh, every now and then, Darth and I kind of meet eye-to-eye on an episode, and I'm glad it's this one, because uh, to me, it's it wasn't about the monster. It wasn't about the, the, the walking through the marketplace um, and all the monsters that, that he managed to throw in there, which apparently Neil Gorton had just made those. he made all of those masks in their spare time in case they were needed for for an episode. Which I think is quite cool that he just, you know, oh hell, we'll make this. <laughs> I got nothing going on today, I'll make an alien. Um but uh it's it's the things that go on, it's the focus on the companion and I think for the first time we got uh we got the the companion second story and I mean I know this is the, the what the fifth the fifth story for Clara, for a Clara, one of the Claras, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but for this one, this is this is her second down. This is her proper outing. Um, her her proving episode uh, where she does something, you know, wonderful. I mean, we, with uh, Amy, we had uh, uh, the Space Whale episode. What's that one? One that Darth hates. Um, anyway. Uh, you know, where she, you know, she hits the button. You know, yeah,
0: the of the Daleks.
2: No, no, no. Talk about Amy's Amy's oh, second sorry. episode.
0: Um, oh, the beast
2: below. The beast below. Yeah, um, the invisible space whale that nobody sees underneath the. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we get this this episode where the, the, they they go and do something wonderful for the Doctor. Uh, Masters was the first episode, but hey, it's semantics. Um, but but this one, she totally proves herself as being uh able to make that choice, that that decision. Uh I mean last week we got that she was capable in certain aspects. You know, she she managed to get all this information so she could do the computer stuff. Uh, but this was she makes the emotional decision. Uh and she gives up uh something really quite significant. Uh the the ring was one thing, uh, uh but the leaf was something, you know, and that's that's why the 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 opening scenes are necessary. You need to know how important that leaf is, and um, the, the, everything kind of ties in, in this episode, uh, linked to the leaf. Really, when you think about it, uh, because her dad says to um, his wife, you know, to, to his girlfriend, yeah, this is this this leaf represents, you know, everything. Uh, this leaf had to grow this size, and at this time um to fall off the, the branch at this you know and to lead onto all of these things so we could meet. Uh and then it becomes so vitally important, at least to the three of them, you know, let alone the universe itself, um, that it becomes this great sacrifice. And ends so up overwhelming this parasode who's just a feeding off all of these emotions. But here's this life that was half lived um and you know of all these possibilities that uh, whether they could have happened or not is beside the point the fact that they are um assumed by uh, you know her dad uh, you know Clara's dad and and um and, and Clara that, that all these things that she could have done all these things that they she could have been there for for them um it's it's the emotional part of this episode that, that i'm really bonding with it's it's not the lack of oxygen uh, around the the, <laughs> the mopeds. it's it's not the funny creatures uh it's it, it's none of the i guess what's normally important in, in in doctor who um you know who he's fighting or who the bad guy is or or you know what the outcome is it's 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 an emotional thing, and it's a lot of things that are said. Uh, the doctor's speech to to Mary uh, is fantastic, and I've already seen it, you know, attached to a number of pictures going around Facebook at the moment, uh, which which says a lot. The fact that this one speech um, has now just you know started going out the internet in, in in droves because it's a it's a really decent bit of writing from from Neil Cross. Um, the not necessarily to to doctor who but just in general i think uh as as an approach to life there's there's a reason why you're here to to do whatever whatever your beliefs happen to be there's only one of you um don't throw that away uh because once that's gone once you're gone then then there's never gonna be you again that person's never gonna have a chance to to do any of these things to be you know, all these possibilities. And then again, relates to, to, uh, to Clara's mum. you know, uh, this, this life that just stopped, uh, midstream. Uh, anyway, I'm just trying to, uh, I, I guess let people understand why this episode is a really great episode to me. Um, I don't know if you will or not, uh, but I just hope in some way I've managed to explain why I like it. Dave.
0: <clears throat> well, shall I leave uh, time for Mike just to have his bit and then end with me? Well, he's
2: he's he's, he's just brought in... Uh, uh, yeah, he's just sitting down this his chorus book. Um, see. Mike, it's not a day of your say.
1: We had the proper introduction of our new companion Clara last week. Now we have her first journey via TARDIS to another time and place. We also have the first script from Luther Creator, Neil cross, so we end up in an alien world, see alien cultures, and become involved in an alien plot, as expected, with a companion's first proper adventure, the story is more centred. On Clara's perspective of events. Before that, though, let's focus on the pretitle sequence for a bit, As it deserves some comment. The doctor is dropping in on the lives of Clara and her parents, Going back to their first meeting and checking on their lives since. Sure, it smacks of creepiness, sure, it's entirely questionable, however, it makes sense to the doctor, as Clara is a puzzle that he's driven to solve. He needs to check that she actually has a life and is not just an enigma. It makes sense to the character, but to the audience it is odd. The crowd of aliens milling about the streets immediately reminded me of Star Wars, of course, but that was not all I saw. This story strongly echoed the second episode of Eccleston's series, The End of the World. There are a lot of parallels between the two episodes, what with a myriad alien races represented, and a world-ending threat from the system's star. To that matter, millennium effects claimed, in the lead-up to this episode's airing, that the rings of AKETEN, Akaten, Akaten, that the rings of Akaten would serve to show how far their costume designs had come since Doctor Who returned in two thousand five. Now, the episode itself, it involved singing, it involved some sort of vampiric creature, it involved a demon parasite thing that inhabited a star and was waking up. It involved yet another motorbike of sorts. It involved a lot of plot elements that just didn't fit together all that well. There was a lot left unexplained at the end of the episode. This episode also involved a leaf that was transformed from being a maple leaf, to being a completely different type of leaf. A good descriptor of the Moffat era so far is that the show has become more than a bit fairy tale. I mention this now because this episode dwells heavily in the realm of fairy tale. We have a demonic parasitic entity that is kept asleep by singing. There are elements to this story that perhaps had good ideas behind them, but in execution they don't make sense. We have the doctor mentioning his granddaughter early in the story. Clara asks the doctor if he had been to Akitan before, and he responds that he has, long ago with his granddaughter, and as such referencing a story that would probably precede an unearthly child. We then have the parasite referred to as grandfather. I still don't understand what the connection is supposed to be, what the meaning is. I don't even think there is a connection, as nothing was explained. Perhaps something like this would have worked in the Davies' era. The parasite was also referred to as a god, and we had the child Mary mention that she had to sing to a god. In the Davies era, we had the doctor played up as a lonely god. However, that symbolism has been done away with since Moffat took over. The doctor is no longer portrayed in that way, so this comparison, this simile, doesn't work at all. We also have the bit about Clara's mother, How her mother will always find her. This is repeated through the episode, especially during the climax. What are we to make of this? Are we to read something about how a child deals with the loss of their mother? If so, what are we told? Well, I don't think we're told anything helpful. Nothing seems to make sense about this episode's climax. Nothing seems to be explained. Matt Smith gave a great performance in this episode, specifically with his speech at the climax. However, what are we left with after that? Did the doctor lose those memories? We aren't exactly told. There's also the whole situation with that star system. The last we see is the star imploding. What did they do? Did they just ruin that star system? Again, we aren't told. If the end of this episode is anything to go by, We seem to be back to the Doctor's new trend of dropping the companion off at home after an adventure, something we saw at the start of Series 7. I am still not fond of this trend, and would prefer the Doctor and companion to go off on a series of adventures. Overall, this episode attempts a lot. We have the Doctor actually taking his companion to a fantastic extraterrestrial world. We have an outlandish plot in progress. We have some great character moments with Clara, and a great speech from the Doctor. However, it doesn't fit well together, and ultimately remains as an average episode of Doctor Who at best. What we end up with is a great tour of costumes and visual effects, but the story seems to be mostly
0: absent. Right then, that's not bad. I enjoyed enjoyed that, but I still think you're late.
2: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) good. I think you could just saunter in here any old time. Just yeah, put your put your practice book down. Dave's (laughs) turn.
0: Yeah. Um just one correction first um and um, i did say that the the appreciation index for this hadn't come out yet it, it is actually up um it is 84 for this one not uh for the bells um so it got a, an gonna AI research that
2: goes into this i don't know
0: absolutely yeah which is actually not the high i mean we've had uh, ratings of um 87 before now i mean anything over 80 is considered good um but um I don't detract from what you said there, Ian, um, uh, the, the story is more important, um, but the reason why I and some of the people do get a little bit hung up about those, other things is not because they're important in of themselves, but they're important because they take us, or some of us, out of the story, and then we're so busy chunnering about that, <laughs> that to ourselves, and then we've got to get back into the story. Um, for instance, a very minor thing that put me off right at the beginning was, um, although the the scene where that you quoted, where uh, Clara's father, you know, on the doorstep mm. tells his future wife why why the leaf was important, I think that's done very well. The prior scene was
2: to, the, this, yeah, yeah, the yeah. is the is the line that's missing from that. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
0: no. The prior scene to that, where he's gawping at her. It seemed poorly acted to me. Um, sorry, but, uh, you know, if if any girl saw a fellow looking at like that in the middle of the street, you know, uh, she might run away rather than come to him. He, you know, um, so th- that was funny. But th- there's an awful lot of references in there, as I say, from the, the Father's Day car to the um, uh, the Keeper of and to the Beast Below to a little bit of the Aztecs um, um, to Tomb of the Cybermen now, these must be all put in place now whether this is a bit of tinkering done by Stephen Moffat that you know all these ones leading up to the 50th anniversary we certainly had it in the last one the bells of St John little sort of nods as it were uh, which some people have perhaps interpreted as um, is Stephen Moffat running out of ideas because we're We're having some same ideas recapped. For instance, just to go back to the last one, the swiveling heads, where the swiveling heads have been used in silence in the library. Uh, They've been used in the beast below. Then they were used for the spoon heads. Now, is it somebody running out of ideas? Or is it indeed a nostalgia trip that we're now building up, we're building momentum up towards the 50th anniversary? So uh, with that first scene and I had a little bit of an issue. Then we came to this planet that, you know, seven races, and I'm counting about 20 different aliens there, and I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, I go off on my... um, uh, Oh, no, I must say this, because I didn't say it first time uh, on the main show. Of course, I was absolutely pleased that we were off-world, and not only off-world, in an alien world, you know, a non-humanoid world, as it were. But to me... Uh, it 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 seemed you know very um, I don't know Quarks Bar or um, Star Wars Cantina or whatever whatever that brings to mind our Captain Jack in the uh, that other bar scene where he meets Al, Al- Alfonso is
2: it
0: Alonzo uh, Alonso Frame yeah um, but on the other hand it, it, I was enjoying the story all the way along. Uh, got taken out of it when they they flew in a little space hopper, would have just liked a little blue glow around it, not asking for much, um, and that would have done it for me. But then um, the other thing was, um, I think all of this was about sacrifice and it was about uh, devouring, and you had to, you know, it was a major commitment for these people to, to keep this thing either dormant uh, to prevent it from sort of, you know, devouring the rest of the, the the nearby planet systems, the doctor didn't seem to pay any price. He 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 did that emotional thing. He bared his soul. That was great, but he didn't take the hit, as it were, and um, that in some way may have detracted from the fact that the companion came in and before he got to the point where he would have had to generate, in other words, she stepped in when he's sort of, like like when he stepped in in the last episode when she was sort of 60, 70% uploaded and he fought on the computer and he brought her back. Mm-hmm. If, if we'd have had the situation where you feel as though, uh, you know, the, and that's another, by the way, another keen memory, haven't we had... The Doctor as well, uh, the third Doctor, I believe, uh, the one where he's under a machine and and he's having his memories sucked out of him. Um, It's been done before in Doctor Who. So I would have liked the Doctor to have been badly wounded at the end of this, not liked him to have been, but I think it would have worked better for that. And I also think it would have been better if this entity that was inhabiting this gas gianty planet um, was seen to have been released, uh, actually even come away from the planet and then vaporised and dissipated uh, uh, so that the planet itself didn't destroy because there were these rings around it. We don't know whether these seven known worlds uh, revolve around that, although we did see the sunlight coming off from the left. Maybe they'd all gathered to this vantage point to watch the ceremony. Oh, and that reminds me, the other thing, of course, is it had a little bit of the new, new, new earth in it, didn't they? um Not the new, new earth, uh, the one where the ninth doctor goes to see the end of the world.
2: Uh, the end of the world?
0: What a clever title. Was it called that, really? <laughs> How do they do it? Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I think there were actually rings in this episode, and what was the title? The uh,
2: There's something of something something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, they needed a word there just to make it just click, and rings would have fitted really well. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> so no. Um, so I actually give this a rating about three and a half out of five, but three of those points are all for half towards. Oh. The actress Jenna Louise Coleman for her acting, which I think was impeccable uh, and certainly uh, has shown a certain other actress has been a little bit Pam face compared with the expressions that this girl can can put on screen uh, wordlessly. And, of course, I just like the the, the setup of the companion, Well, uh, I mean, they've, they've built a great backstory for her, this caring nanny side to her. Oh, and she's got a little bit of street smart. She's very grounded. Uh, she's doesn't really fit with an English girl, but she's got that sassiness about her. And so um, I've watched this, as obviously we've done the commentary, and I've tried to put aside those scientific niggles that I must admit really irked me somewhat afterwards. Watching. I was talking to my brother-in-law who, uh, uh, who, uh, you know, watched it, and, and, you know, yeah, some with a smiley face on it was a little bit of a detraction for us both. But um, it is, a, there is a lot to, to enjoy in it. And I think as people, you know, um, ease down, and this is definitely going to be, and I absolutely agree with you here, Ian, this is definitely going to be one of those stories that the more you watch it, the more you get out of it.
2: Yep. Um, I'm just going to pull you up on a couple of things. And it's one of the things that I guess kind of a little, a little bit of an irritant for me with with fandom that we tend to go a little overboard at times where we start seeing things that aren't really there. Um, The whole Keeper Tracker thing, I I see where you're getting that. But I totally don't think that it's, it it means anything. It's just a mummy in a glass case. Oh um, no, I just the, meant
0: a, a nod as though it was. Uh,
2: see, I don't think it's intentional at all. It's just and and the back door is just a back door. Um, a lot of a lot of pyramids have, you know, back doors. Uh, you know, it's those things. It's, it's, it's just like, but. I'm I'm just as guilty. I'm like I'm looking at that, that car and I'm like, that's the car from Father's Day. That's why we were a little late starting with Colton on Sunday because I was busy comparing shots. <laughs> so while I while I do harass and harangue, I'm also very guilty of it myself. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, the brilliant thing about us is um, there's 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 two different sides to it, and um, I guess it would be terrible if 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 Doctor Who was always Really, really good for everybody, because then we just all go. That was good, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. So did I.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, we we you know, we we see it from different angles, um, and I I think that's the beauty of the cultum collective. Not blowing our own trumpet or anything, but by listening to the cultum collective, you get to see what other people's point of view and how we watch it um and and maybe gain some some appreciation that you wouldn't really have necessarily really realized watching it yourself the first time so um and the same with the three of us you know as, as as we go through this we talk about it and uh you get to hear our our thoughts of it fresh fresh from watching it um and
0: you know and as you always say doctor who's on our tv screens yeah what's yeah. not
2: like what's, what's not, not to like, like. <laughs>
0: exactly all right.
2: Well, what's not to like? Well, we'll be back next week and you can like that as well. So yeah. until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Randall Thought, Oh, God, he's he's off practicing again. Shut the door. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll do this. But then it's goodbye for Mr. Dave
0: C. Yeah, I think he's joined that silent order. But uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor.
2: Goodbye.
0: bye everybody. <laughs> I'm going to come back there.
2: I know, don't <laughs> give it my day job, I, I, right?
0: I, I think I'll eat some of this blue fruit.
2: There you go. <laughs> Save that so for me.
0: That the rings of a cat.
1: Mmm. F- I should figure out how to say that. Hold on. All right, that's figured out then.
2: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?